Everything you are about to hear actually happened. Eight hours a day for 36 days, a special Senate subcommittee held televised hearings known as the Army McCarthy hearings in the spring of 1954. In these hearings, the Army charged that Senator McCarthy and his chief counsel, Roy Cohn, had first tried to keep G. David Shine, a consultant to the McCarthy committee, out of the Army, second, that they tried to get a direct commission for Shine, and finally, that once he was inducted, they sought special favor for him. McCarthy and Cohn countercharged that the Army attempted blackmail by holding Private Shine as a hostage in order to stop McCarthy's investigation of alleged communism at various Army bases. At issue was not G. David Shine, one Army private, but constitutional principles and the integrity of the federal government. And the hearings became one of the decisive spectacles in American political history. Senate Caucus Room, April 22, 1954. The cast of characters. For the Army, Secretary of the Army Robert T. Stevens. One of the best things that had ever happened to me in my life was my opportunity for service in the United States Army in two world wars. Counselor John Adams. I've never filed a brief, I've never drawn a complaint. I'm strictly a Washington type lawyer. And Special Counsel Joseph Welch. I came down from Boston in the guise of a simple trial lawyer. I supposed I'd try to think up some questions to ask witnesses and, and then if I didn't like the answer, ask another one. For the committee, Chairman Carl Munt. Presiding over these hearings is a responsibility which I do not welcome. Special Counsel Ray Jenkins. To the best of my ability, I am pursuing this investigation in order to develop the facts. Senator John McClellan. We're performing a public duty, a public trust one of the most disagreeable ones I've ever had to perform in the course of my public service. And Senator Stuart Symington. I have no interest in life that surpasses my great concern for the vitality of our armed forces. For Senator McCarthy, Chief Counsel Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn is here speaking for Roy Cohn to give the facts. I have no counsel. And... Senator Joseph McCarthy. The average American can do very little insofar as digging communist espionage agents out of our government is concerned. They, they, they must depend upon those of us whom they send down here uh, to man the watchtowers of the nation. The thing that I think we must remember is that this is a war which a brutalitarian force has won to a greater extent than any brutalitarian force has won a war in the history of the world before. That you can talk about communism as though it's something uh, 10,000 miles away. Let me say it's right here with us now if we, unless we, make sure that there is no infiltration of our government, then just as certain as you sit there, in the period of our lives, you will see a red world. Anyone who has followed the communist conspiracy, even remotely, and who can add two and two will tell you that there is no remote possibility of this war which we're in today, and it's a war, war which we've been losing, no remote possibility of this ending except by victory or by death for this civilization. Senator Carl Munt. Committee will please come to order. Senator Symington. I suggest in the interest of these hearings, the charges are often forgotten. 
The charges were, did Senator McCarthy and two members of his staff use improper pressure for Mr. David Schein with the Army? The countercharge was that there was blackmail on the part of the Army and the use of Mr. Schein as a hostage. Now, those are the charges that have been made. John Adams, counselor for the Army, is questioned by Ray Jenkins. I said, let's talk about shine. And that started a chain of events, uh, an experience similar to none which I have had in my life. Uh, Mr. Cohn became extremely agitated. And uh, I said to Cohn that I'd like to give him some advice. I pointed out to him that the national interest required that shine be treated just like every other show soldier. Uh, well, what was his reply to that, Mr. Adams? He exploded at that and said that if the national interest was the thing we were interested in, he'd give us a little bit. I asked him what would happen if shine got overseas duty. He responded with vigor and force. Stevens is through as Secretary of the Army. I said, oh, Roy, something to this effect, oh, Roy, now don't say that. I said, come on. Really, what is going to happen if Shine gets overseas duty? And he responded with even more force, we'll wreck the army. Uh, this was a subject, uh, Shine. Now you're saying you did not say it, Mr. Cohn. Yes, sir. I say Very I am well. sure that I did not make that statement. And I am sure that Mr. Adams and anybody else with any sense, and Mr. Adams has a lot of sense, could not ever believe that I was threatening to wreck the army or that I could wreck the army. I say, sir, the statement is ridiculous. I'm talking about Stevens being through as secretary of the that, army. That's equally ridiculous, sir. And untrue. Yes, sir, equally ridiculous and untrue. Secretary Stevens. Senator McCarthy said that one of the few things that he had trouble with Mr. Cohen about was David Sean. He said that Roy thinks that Dave ought to be a general and operate from a penthouse on the Waldorf Astoria, or words to that effect. Now, Mr. Secretary, that was not a part of your pattern to hold this boy shine as a sort of a hostage and use him as a bait for the purpose of abating this investigation, was it? Certainly not. And if he was a hostage, so have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of young Americans been hostages when they're doing their duty and the service for their country. Senator McClellan. The implication is here, well, you just well face it, sir. The implication is here that you were trying to buy off this committee from investigating the Army. Mr. Mm -hmm. Chairman, a point of order. Senator, time has expired. I'll listen to the point of order. Mr. Chairman, I want to point out that I think that question is completely improper and unfair. The implication is that this chairman could have been bought off. All the evidence is that this chairman could, under no circumstances, have been bought off this investigation. Now, Mr. <clears throat> Adams, a charge has been made against you that you not only offered special dispensations for shine, but that you offered up bigger bait from time to time. To wit, subversives, homosexuals, in the Air Force and in the Navy. Did you ever do that, Mr. Adams? I did not. I never made such an offer. I never would make such an offer. There was under investigation in the Army at that time some very serious allegations with reference to homosexual uh, behavior on the part of a group of Army officers at a large Army base in the South. Well, it wasn't in Tennessee, Mr. Adams. Right? No, sir, it was not. Another sound, point of order? Point of order, let's exclude Arkansas, too. <laughs> I can do that, sir. Sure, I would like to raise a point of order on behalf of South Dakota, which might also be considered the South. I can, ex I can exclude all of the states of the members of this committee. Did you know that when the soldiers at Fort Dix were transported from one point in the area to another, the private shine almost invariably rode in the cab of the truck, whereas the other soldiers 
sometimes numbering 40 and 50, were packed like cattle or sheep in the bed of the truck and exposed to the weather. Did you learn that? No, sir. When counsel says, have you learned that as many as 40 young men were packed in the back end of a truck like cattle, that's completely unfair to the Army. I don't think. I've been, in, I've been in the military for a while. I've never seen young men treated like cattle. And I know that... <laughs> I don't think we should let it grow to the mothers of this country that their sons are being treated like cattle, because they are not. Is it true that one of the charges made against Mr. Shine, one of the charges was that his shoes commercially polished? Is that one of the... Bits of special favor he got. He was allowed to pay 10 cents to have his shoes polished. I don't know, sir. Another charge as uh, announced is that uh, he had special boots with straps and buckles on the side. Now, that's one of the charges against him. You don't think the committee intervened to allow him, him to buy a special shoe, do you? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't have any information on that, Senator McCarthy. Another, another of the charges was that he had a fur-lined hood. Pretty serious, do you think? What was that? Uh, that he had a fur-lined hood. Another that he complained about the cold weather. Do you think the, this committee intervened to allow him to complain about the cold weather? I wouldn't think so. I don't know anything about another, that. Another charge was that instead of walking behind a jeep that was parked, he walked in front of a jeep. Do you, th do you think that anyone on the committee called and asked permission for him to walk in front of the jeep? Counsel Joseph Welch. You are being asked uh, at the question at the top, almost at the top of the page, that this college graduate, referring to Shine, partially filled out an application, a form for a commission in the Army. Senator McCarthy, I don't know the slightest thing about the application he filled out. Mr. Jenkins, you don't know one thing about that? Senator McCarthy, I never saw it. Senator, I have the application that David Shine filled out, and I can show don't, don't, you... Don't tell me I notarized it. <laughs> no, you merely signed it. <laughs> Mr. Wilson, point of order? I don't know what it is, but it's a point of something. I have just... Point of order, you may state it. My point of order is that Mr. Jenkins yesterday was imposed upon, and so was the Secretary of the Army, by having a doctored or altered photograph produced as if it were honest. I have the photograph that was offered yesterday in evidence, and in respect to which Mr. Stevens was not only examined, but cross-examined. And I show you now a photograph in respect to which I charge that what was offered in evidence yesterday was an altered, shamefully cut down picture so that somebody could say to Stevens, were you not photographed alone with David Shine when the truth is he was photographed in a group? I would like now to offer the picture that I have in my right hand as the original, undoctored, unaltered piece of evidence. Mr. Chairman, the point of order is this, that Mr. Welch, under the guise of making a point of order, has testified that a picture is doctored. He makes a completely false statement, so this is a group picture. It is not. The council advises the chair, may I say, that... May I finish my point of order, Mr. Chairman? Not a point of order, you can't. council advises the chair that the senator is engaging in a statement Mr. of public Mr. rather Mr. than a point of order. Mr. Chairman, I am getting rather sick of being inter interrupted in the middle of a sentence. Uh, if, if my, Mr. If Chairman, what I, say, I would like to say that if... Now, Mr. Chairman, do I, do I have the floor now, or do I not? Sick of sitting down here at the end of the table and having whoever 
wants to interrupt in the middle of a sentence. Now, Mr. Welch made a statement. I raised the point of order that it was not, it was not a proper point of order. That it was not a proper point of order that he raised. And when Mr. Welch, under the guise of a point of order, said this was a group picture, I suggest that the chair make the record clear that Mr. Welch was not speaking the truth. I'll ask you whether or not you told me that you had documentary evidence in the form of a photograph of Mr. Stevens and Mr. Shine corroborating your statement to me that Mr. Stevens requested his photograph be taken with Shine. Is that correct? I told you, sir, that we had, that as far as I knew, there was a picture of Mr. Stevens and Private Shine taken on November 17th. There was and there is. Was that original, the photograph introduced yesterday, delivered to me by you or a member of your staff prior to my cross-examination of the secretary? May I describe it? Yes, Was sir. anything ever said to me up to this time about any person being cut out of that photograph? No, sir, I don't think anything was ever said to you about any person being cut out of that photograph. I now find on inquiry of a member of the staff that they saw some third person who was not recognizable and was not recognized standing to the side, that Mr. Stevens and Mr. Shine were facing each other and looking at each other. There was a third person standing to the side, and they thought that that person had no relevancy, had nothing to do with it, and that the picture wanted was the picture of Stevens and Shine. Mr. Welch questions James Juliana, assistant to the McCarthy Committee. Well, then the only thing to do was to bring in the photostat of the original picture with three people in the cast. Isn't that right? I wasn't asked for it, and I didn't deliver that. I think that's right. You were asked for something different from the thing that hung on Shine's wall. I never knew what hung on Shine's you wall. You did know what hung on Shine's wall when that was handed to you, sir. I did not know what hung on Shine's wall. Did you think this came from a pixie? <laughs> Where did you think this picture that I hold in my hand, yeah, which is Exhibit 3, came from? I had no idea and where it came from. Question. Question. Did you think this came from a pixie? Would counsel, for my benefit, define, I think he might be an expert on that. Yeah. What is pixie? Yeah. I should say, I should say, Mr. Senator, that uh, a pixie is a close relative of a fairy. Shall I proceed, sir? Have I enlightened you? As I, as I said, I think, I think you might be an authority on a picture. Council, may I proceed? Mr. Cohn, you have spoken of that picture uh -huh. as representing Mr. Stevens smiling at Shine. Do you look at it now with me? <laughs> Why don't we have a quote right up here? That's good enough. Well, let's, let's even have a close minute. Well, yeah. let's, let's have it there. That's good enough. Uh, Mr. Welch, uh, I'm, may I'm, I confess to a slight case of nearsightedness here, and I, uh, I, think, I hope that's not nearsightedness in connection with my duties, but it is when it comes to these things. I'd like to have that right up here. And I think you have betrayed some nearsightedness. Have it as close as you would like. Very good. <laughs> Mr. Welch, I might say here again, I, uh, uh, I'll be very glad to answer your questions here. I don't think I'm quite as clever as you are, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to answer your quips. Oh, Mr. Cohn. Uh, I, my question now is this. You yes. have referred to that picture as showing Mr. Secretary Stevens smiling at Dave Shine. Are you now close enough to the picture so that you would like to qualify that statement? Sir, I will accept your characterization of the picture. It's a grim smile on Stevens' face. I accept it. If you want to call Mr. Stevens' smile a grim smile, sir, I fully accept what you say. They are facing each other. Their eyes are meeting. They are looking at each other. And if the smile is grim or it isn't grim, uh, I know not. Sir. Not too fast, Mr. Cohn. Not too fast. Yes. Mr. Stevens is looking to his right, isn't he? 
Well, sir, my... Isn't he just looking? You can answer that one easily. Well, Mr. Welch, do you want to imply that I'm not answering it? You ask me a question, and then you say with the implication as though I can answer it. Well, answer it. If Mr. Stevens is looking to his right, isn't he? Sir, if you'll give me the chance, I'll try to answer it. By all means, sir. Thank you. Uh, I, the picture to me looks as though Mr. Stevens and Private Shine are looking at each other. My question was a simple one. Mr. Stevens is looking to his right, is he not? Yes, I would say he probably is looking to his right and Private Shine is standing at his right. And on Mr. Stevens' right are two figures. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. To Mr. Stevens' right, there are two figures. And one is Private Shine. Yes, sir. And further to Mr. Stevens' right is Colonel Bradley. Standing sideways. It would take someone with clairvoyance to know to whom Secretary Stevens is looking, would it not? No, sir, I don't think so. It would take somebody with common sense who can look at a picture and see what's in it. I think I observe on Colonel Bradley's face a faint little look of pleasure. Do you, sir? I would say that Colonel... I... <laughs> I know that Colonel Bradley had a good steak dinner shortly after this. Maybe he was anticipating it. I do know that Colonel Bradley looks to me as though he, too, is looking at Private Shine. Well, now, if Bradley is feeling good about a steak dinner, Shine must be considering a whole haunch of beef, is he not? Mr. <laughs> Chairman, your point of order? Yes, Mr. Point of order. How long must we put up with this circus? If counsel, if counsel is trying to elicit information, good. If he's looking for a laugh from the audience, if he wants to talk about any physical defect of my chief counsel, it's so indecent, so dishonest. <laughs> I am not talking about any physical defect which counsel Welch may have. I do not intend to. Let's get down to the issues, Mr. Welch. Well, each, each minute, Mr. Chairman, may I point out, each minute we waste here is wasting a vast amount of manpower very important manpower, I think, the manpower of eight senators and the heads of our military establishment. Senator Henry Jackson. I'm a little confused here. This is a copy of a letter that's being introduced. I'd like to know how it uh, arrived here at the committee, where it came from. It was handed to me just now by Senator McCarthy purports to be a letter written October 26, 1951 by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and signed by J. Edgar Hoover, the director. It is addressed to Major General Boling, Assistant Chief of Staff, G2, Department of the Army, Washington, D.C. Mr. Chairman, I... Good morning, Mr. Welch. The mere fact that we have an impressive-looking purported copy of such a letter doesn't uh, impress an old-time lawyer. I would like to have Mr. J. Edgar Hoover say that he wrote the letter and mailed it. Then we'd know what we were dealing with. Mr. Chairman. Senator McCarthy. I want to make it very clear that I have gotten neither this letter nor anything else from the FBI. Well, where did it come from, then? Mr. Chairman, I, I assure you the, this purported copy did not come from the Army files, nor did the senator for a moment suggest it did. Just, just, just a minute. Now, McCarthy. Uh, Mr. Chairman, if Mr. Welch is going to say there's not a copy of this in the Army files, he should be sworn because that statement is untrue as far as I know. There's I did exact... not say that, Senator. I said that this purported copy did not come from the Army files, and you know I'm quite right, sir, and I have an absorbing curiosity to know how in the dickens you got hold of it. I'll wager you. <laughs> I will, I will wager. May, May I say, Mr. Chair? has the floor. May I say, Mr. Chair? Chair has the floor. The chair has the floor. Oh. I'll have to advise you again, Mr. Welch, that all investigative agencies in this town operate on the rule that they don't have to disclose the sources of their information. Your absorbing curiosity will have to be satisfied some other way, I'm afraid. And by Mr. J. Edgar Hoover. Robert Collier, assistant to Mr. Jenkins. Mr. Hoover has examined the document and has advised me that he never wrote any such letter. Now, Mr. Collier, as I understand your testimony, this document that I hold in my hand is a carbon copy of precisely nothing. Is that right? 
I will say that Mr. Hoover informed me that it is not a carbon copy of a memorandum prepared or sent by the FBI. Let's have it straight from the shoulder. So far as you know, it's a carbon copy of precisely nothing. So far as I know, it is, yes. But that, uh, again, is, is a conclusion. And so far as you know, this document in this courtroom sprung yesterday by Senator McCarthy is a perfect phony. Is that right? No, sir, I... I uh, Mr. Chairman, this has been referred to as a phony by Mr. Welch. That's one of the most serious reflections upon the integrity of the chairman that we've had so far, and I've had many reflections upon my integrity. Let me make it very clear, Mr. Jenkins and Mr. Chairman, that I will not under any circumstances reveal the source of any information which I get as chairman of the committee. Uh, one of the reasons why I have been successful I believe to some extent in exposing the, uh, communism is because the people who give me information from within the government know that their confidence will not be violated. There is no way on earth that any committee, any force, can get me to violate the confidence of those people. Senator McCarthy, when you took the stand, you of course understood you were going to be asked about this letter, did you not? I assume that would be the subject. And you, of course, understood you were going to be asked the source from which you got it. I never tried to... I just did you understand you would no, be asked the I source? I will answer that. I never tried to read the minds of the senators, know what they will ask me. Could I have the oath that you took read to us slowly by the reporter? Mr. Welch, that doesn't seem to be an appropriate question. You were present. You took the oath yourself. You took the same oath you took. The oath included a promise, a solemn promise by you to tell the truth, comma, the whole truth, comma, and nothing but the truth. Is that correct, sir? Mr. Welch, you are not the first individual who tried to get me to betray the confidence and give out the names of my, my informants. You will be no more successful than those who have tried in the past, period. I am only asking you, sir, did you realize when you took that oath that you were making a solemn promise to tell the whole truth to this committee? I understand the oath, Mr. Welch. And when you took it, did you have some mental reservation, some Fifth or Sixth Amendment notion that you could measure what you would tell? I don't take the Fifth or Sixth Amendment. Have you some private reservation when you take the oath that you will tell the whole truth that lets you be the judge of what you will testify to? The answer is there's no reservation about telling the whole truth. Thank you, sir. Then tell us who delivered the document to you. The answer is no. You will not get that information. You wish then to put your own interpretation on your oath and tell us less than the whole truth? Mr. Welch, I think I've made it very clear to you that neither you nor anyone else will ever get me to violate the confidence of loyal people in this government who give me information about communist infiltration. I repeat, you will not get their names. You will not get any information which will allow you to identify them so that you or anyone else can get their jobs. You can go right ahead and try until doomsday. Senator McClellan. May I say to you, I'm trying to settle a ba basic issue of law. I don't want any of your confidential information. All I want is let the country get this legal question settled so we can all operate within the law, if that's possible. I say as for myself, you say what you'll do and what you'll not do. I tell you, Senator, that I will not set myself up above and apart from the law. I'm going to conform to it. Well, now, you do as you please. Well, Senator, you'll, well, Senator, you'll come in as chairman. May I say, Senator, just for your benefit, uh, I am not setting myself above any law. But, Senator, I, I just will not abide by any secrecy directive of anyone. I think you and I have and will see presidents come and go. We have a duty to do our job, even though we may differ with a perfectly honest version of 
what the president thinks his job is. Well, now, we may differ about that, and that's what I think the American people are entitled to have settled. Whether you're right or the president's right. That's what I'm trying to find out. Mr. When you say I'm trying to put you in jail, I'm asking no such thing. I don't I'm care if you're staying that. out. No one's afraid of you out anymore than would be in, as far as I know. But the point I'm making is, Joe, and you know it, you've reached the crossroads in this thing. And we're, we're entitled in the course of these hearings now to have this thing settled if there's any way to settle it. Keep all your information and in your head or somewhere else, as far as I'm concerned. I want you to understand that, sir. As far as I'm concerned, I want to settle a basic issue here that is vital, I think, to the security of this nation. Senator Symington. Senator McCarthy, do you think that President Eisenhower could put any classification on a secret document which would prevent you from being a person authorized to receive an examiner? Now, your question was, does Mr. Eisenhower have what? President Eisenhower, sir. The President Eisenhower of what? Do you think that President Eisenhower could put any classification on a secret document which could prevent you from being a person authorized to receive an examiner? I guess the answer is yes or no. My recollection was that in this now famous two and a quarter page document, there were about 35 names listed Hey, this is pretty serious. Have we had anything as serious as this so far? Well, we, I think we've got something much more serious right now. Uh, uh, right this well, moment. I'm talking about up yes, to yes. prior to this hearing. May, may, answer, may answer that question, Mr. Chairman. I think we've got a much more serious situation now in communist infiltration of the CIA. Disturbs me beyond words. Well, we haven't. The members of the committee have not been advised, and I do think that... Oh, yes, they have. Oh, yes, they have. Mr. Cole, what is the exact number of communists or subversives that are loose today in these defense plans? The exact number that is loose, sir? Yes, sir. I don't know. How, roughly how many? I can only tell you, sir, what we know about. Well, that's 130, is that right? Uh, yes, sir, I'm gonna try to particularize for you if I can. I'm in a hurry. I don't want the sun to go down while they're still in there if we can get them out. I'm afraid we won't be able to work that Well, time. I've got a suggestion about it, sir. How many are there? I believe the figure is approximately 130. Approximately 130. Yes, sir. those are people, Mr. Welch, uh, concerned. I don't care. You've told us who they are. And how many plants are they? How many plants? How many plants? Yes, sir. Just one minute, sir. I see 16 offhand. 16 plants. Are you alarmed at that situation, Mr. Cole? Yes, sir, I am. Nothing could be more alarming, could it? certainly a very alarming thing. Will you not, before the sun goes down, give those names to the FBI and at least have those men put under surveillance? Sir, if there is need for surveillance in case of espionage or anything like that, I can well assure you that Mr. John Edgar Hoover and his men know a lot better than I, and I might respectfully suggest, sir, than probably a lot of us, uh, just who should be put under surveillance. I do not propose to tell the FBI how to run its shop. It and they do it. Well. And they do it, don't they, Mr. Cohn? When the need arises, of course. Then I they've got the whole 130, have they, Mr. Cohn? I am sure of it, sir, and a lot Well, more. then what's all the excitement about if J. Edgar Hoover is on the job chasing these 130 communists? Mr. Welch, all the excitement... Well, then, as a second line of defense, let's send the 130 names to the Department of Defense tonight. Would you mind doing that? Whatever the committee directs on that, sir, I... I wish the committee would direct that all the names be sent, both to the FBI and to the Department of Defense, with extreme suddenness. Mr. Chairman, I so move. In view of Mr. Welch's request that... Uh, the information be given once we know of anyone who might be performing any work for the Communist Party. I think we should tell him that he has in his law firm uh, a young man named Fisher, whom he recommended incidentally to do the work in this committee, who has been for a number of years a member of an organization which was named, oh, years and years ago, as the legal bulwark of the Communist Party, an organization which always springs to the defense uh, of anyone who 
uh, dares to expose communists. Uh, I certainly assume that Mr. Welch did not know of this uh, uh, young man at the time he recommended him as the assistant counsel for this committee, but he has such terror and such a great desire to know where anyone is located who may be serving the communist cause, Mr. Welch, and I thought we should uh, just call to your attention the fact that you're Mr. Fisher, who is still in your law firm today, whom you asked to have down here looking over the secret and classified material, is a, me a member of an organization not named by me, but named by uh, various committees, named by the Attorney General, as I recall. I think I quote this uh, verbatim as the legal bulwark of the Communist Party. I have been uh, rather bored with your phony request to Mr. Cohen here that he personally get every communist out of government before sundown Therefore, we will give you the information about the young man in your own organization. Now, I'm not asking you at this time to explain why you tried to foist him on this committee, that you did the committee know, uh, whether you knew that he was a member of that uh, communist organization or not, I don't know. I assume you did not, Mr. Welch, because I get the impression that while you are quite an actor, you play for a laugh, I don't think you have any conception of the danger of the Communist Party. Mr. Chairman, I want the church to say that uh, he has no recognition, no, no memory of Mr. Welch recommending either Mr. Fisher or anybody else as counsel for this committee. Mr. Chairman, I will put on the record then, Mr. Chairman, the, Mr. Chairman the, news, the news story on that. Under these circumstances, I must myself have something approaching a personal privilege. You may have it, sir. Not Senator McCarthy, I did not know, Senator. Senator, sometimes you say, may I have your attention? I, I'm listening. May I have your I attention? Now, this time, sir, okay. I want you to listen with both. Senator McCarthy, I think until this moment... Just, just now, let me ask, uh, Jim, Jim, when you get the news story, the effect this man belongs the, to this uh, Communist Front organization... Will you I get will the tell you that he belongs to it. Will you, will you get the, the citations, uh, what are the citations showing that this was the legal arm of the Communist Party and the length of time that he belonged, the fact that he was recommended to Mr. Welch. I think that should be in the record. Senator, you won't need anything in the record when I finish telling you this. Until this moment, Senator, I think I never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. Fred Fisher is a young man who went to the Harvard Law School and came into my firm and is starting what looks to be a brilliant career with us. When I decided to work for this committee, I asked Jim St. Clair, who sits on my right, to be my first assistant. I said to Jim, pick somebody in the firm to work under you that you would like. He chose Fred Fisher, and they came down on an afternoon plane. That night, when we had taken a little stab at trying to see what the case is about, Fred Fisher and Jim St. Clair and I went to dinner together. I then said to these two young men, boys, I don't know anything about you except I've always liked you. But if there's anything funny in the life of either one of you, that would hurt anybody in this case, you speak up quick. And Fred Fisher said, Mr. Welsh, when I was in the law school, and for a period of months after, I belonged to the Lawyers Guild, as you have suggested, Senator. He went on to say, I am secretary of the Young Republicans League in Newton with the son of Massachusetts governor. 
And I have the respect and admiration of my community, and I'm sure I have the respect and admiration of the 25 lawyers or so in Hale and Dorr. And I said, Fred, I just don't think I'm going to ask you to work on the case. If I do one of these days, that will come out and go over national television, and it will just hurt like the Dickens. And so, Senator, I asked him to go back to Boston. Little did I dream you could be so reckless and so cruel as to do an injury to that lad. It is true he is still with Hale and Dorr. It is true that he will continue to be with Hale and Dorr. It is, I regret to say, equally true that I fear he shall always bear a scar needlessly inflicted by you. If it were in my power to forgive you for your reckless cruelty, I would do so. I like to think I'm a gentleman, but your forgiveness will have to come from someone other than me. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, uh, may, may I say that uh, Mr. Wells talks about this being cruel and reckless. He was just baiting, he has been baiting Mr. Cohen here for hours. Now, I just give this man's record, and I want to say, Mr. Welch, that it has been labeled long before he became a member as early as 1944. Senator, may we not drop this? Let we know finish. he belonged to the Lawyers Guild. Let me finish. And this. Mr. Cohn nods his head at me. I did you, I think, no personal injury, Mr. Cohn. No, sir. I meant to do you no personal no. injury. And if I did, I um, beg your pardon. Let us not assassinate this lad further, Senator. You have done enough. Have you no sense of decency, sir, at long last? Have you left no sense of decency? This, I know this hurts you, Mr. Welch. I'll but say may, it hurts. May I say, Mr. Chairman, as a point of personal privilege, I'd like to finish this. Senator, I think it hurts you too, I'd, sir. I'd like to finish this. Uh, Mr. Mr. Welch here has been filibustering this hearing. It seems that Mr. Welch, is pain so deeply he thinks it's improper for me to give the record the communist front record of the man whom he wanted to foist upon this committee but it doesn't pain him at all there's no pain in his chest about the unfounded charges against mr frank carr there's no pain there about the attempt to destroy the reputation and they take the jobs away from the young men who are working in my committee. And Mr. Welch, if, if I have said anything here which is untrue, then tell me. I have heard you and everyone else talk so much about laying the truth upon the table that when I heard it was completely phony, Mr. Welch, I have listened to you now for a long time, this thing now before sundown, you must get these people out of government. So that I just want to have it very clear, very clear that you were not so serious about that when you tried to recommend this man for this committee. And may I say, Mr. Welch, in fairness to you, I have reason to believe that you did not know about his communist front record at the time you recommended him. But the point is, and Mr. Chair, Welch, I'd like to say again that he does not believe Mr. Welch, Welch recommended Mr. Fisher as counsel for this committee because he had, through his office, all the recommendations which were made and does not recall any of them coming from Mr. Welch, and that would include Mr. Fisher. Well, let me ask Mr. Welch. You, you brought him down, did you not, to act as your assistant? Mr. McCarthy, I will not discuss this further with you. You have sat within six feet of me and could, ask, could have asked me about Fred Fisher. 
You have seen fit to bring it out, and if there is a God in heaven, it will do neither you nor your cause any good. I will not discuss it further. I will not ask Mr. Cohen any more witnesses. You, Mr. Chairman, may, if you will, call the next witness. Are there any questions to come from the uh, members of the chair? Here's something that neither Secretary Stevens nor I have much to do with. The charge by the junior senator from Wisconsin that we've had another year of treason under President Eisenhower. The charge that the CIA is infiltrated and infested with communists. The charge that the Department of Defense is full of communists. The charge that the Department of Justice, that the Attorney General of the Department of Justice, there's something phony about him and the charge that the hydrogen bomb plants and the atomic bomb plants are full of communists. Well, where do we go from here as the American people? It would appear some of us want to end up in this country with just plain anarchy. Will he, Symington, be willing to go under oath, the same as the rest of us are going under oath, the same as I have gone under oath and will go under oath, same as Republicans have gone under oath, and tell us the truth of what party to play with this. If he will merely consent to go on the stand and tell us why and how it happened that, number one, he got the political advisor of the Democrat Party to guide undercover the Republican Secretary of the Army, and number two, while our friend Sanctimonious Stu was advising, the Irish said that advising, my first name. Was advising, You're a, you better go to a psychiatrist. I want no psychological bribes from you. Accordingly, I propose we agree on the following points. One, you will agree to an investigation by a committee of the Senate. I will agree to take the stand in the present proceedings and to testify as to events proceeding the institution of these hearings. I trust that you will confirm your agreement with this program. If you are in accord, please sign as indicated below. Senator, here's the letter, and if you will sign it, then we can get this matter settled. Mr. Symington, I think, and I'm glad we're on television, I think the millions of people can see how low that a man can sink. I repeat, they can see how low an alleged man can sink. He's been asked here to come before the committee and give the information which he has in regard to this investigation. He retorts by saying that he wants all of the old smears investigated. Now, may I say this, Mr. Chairman? If that is necessary in order to get Simon can understand, that will be done. Sign the letter, I will Senator. not sign the letter with sign false statements. Sign the letter. Very simple. In the record. Mr. Simon. All you have to do is sign it. Don't, 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 we'll don't pull that. One at a time. Don't sign. pull that phony thing sign on me. Sign the letter. One at a time. There it is, Senator. Got my signature on it. You have a document with false statements in it. I will not sign and agree that's true. Now, don't. Mr. You, Chairman, you're not I fooling move, anyone. Uh, you're not fooling anyone, Mr. Simington. Senator, I'm sure of that. Senator, let me tell you something. Sure, the American understand. people have had a look at you for six weeks. You're not fooling anyone either. Personal privilege you gave Mr. Simington the right to answer and ask one question. I do want to raise that point before we leave this afternoon. I'll raise it briefly, then, because we have to adjourn to the vote. Go ahead. I will raise it as briefly as I can, but may I say that Senator Simington has been here by innuendo trying to smear this staff of young men who have been working to dig out communists He's talking about what might happen if there were subversive on the staff. I would like to ask him now, even though he's not under oath, whether he has any information at all of any kind to justify this attempted smear against these 14 young men who have done such an excellent job uncovering communists. If he has no information, then he should be honest enough to tell us if he has information 
he should take the stand and take the oath as these young men have been taking it. Now may I ask you, Senator, do you have any information to indicate that there is anyone on my staff who is subversive, as you have indicated in your questioning? Senator Simon, you didn't answer the question, and we're going to have to recess for the vote. I will answer that question this way, Senator McCarthy. In all the years that I have been in this government, based on the testimony that's been given before this committee under oath, I think the files of what you call my staff, my director, my chief of staff, have been the sloppiest and most dangerously handled files that Can I have ever known question? of since I've been in the government. Now you can run away if you like, Stu. You can run away if you like. You have been here trying to smear the staff of this committee. The young men who have been working to uncover communists, you jump up and run away without answering the question. I have asked you a simple question. Do you have, do you have any evidence of any kind to indicate that there is any subversive amongst these young men? If not, if not, you are leaving here this afternoon, leaving a smear upon the name of each and every one of them. You shouldn't do that, Mr. Symington. That's just dishonest. That's, that's the... That's the same thing that the Communist Mr. Party has been doing Mr. too Chairman, long. Apparently, every time anybody says anything against anybody working for Senator McCarthy, we'll just he is the swearing question. them and is he accusing them of communism. Just answer the question. Do you know of any subversive? That's the best answer that I can give you. Do you know of any subversive? Stand in recess until 10 o'clock. You won't answer whether you know of any subversive. Mr. Chairman, even though the chair is waving, even though the chair is waving, I want to make this record. And Mr. Reporter, will you take this down? Mr. Reporter, will you take this down? Mr. Symington, other members of the Democrat Party here have been intimating that they know of some subversive on the staff investigating communists. I have asked Mr. Symington point blank to tell us whether he knew of any such subversive. He runs away. He won't answer the question. May I say that that is the most dishonest, the most unfounded smear upon some of the most outstanding young men that I have ever seen work to uncover communists. And before this is over, the American people will have a, have a better picture of it. I guess we must go and vote now.